Am I ready for the international expansion? That is the question that every single founder needs to answer sooner or later. And we've explored this topic with Mario Steinbuch from 36 Chambers. He shared his vast experience in starting businesses in two completely different markets, German and Japanese. If you're wondering what's crucial for international success, this is the episode for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ragnarsson Invest podcast and welcome Mario, our guest, Mario Steinbuch from 36 Chambers. Really great to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Likewise. So, um, international market expansion, that's your area of expertise, correct? And you're offering that as a kind of a service to startups, but not a typical way. Could you maybe shine some lights on uh, what it is that you actually do and how do you help uh, founders, uh, startups, and why it might be such a game changer for them? Mm -hmm. With pleasure. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Really great pleasure to to be here. Um, Thanks for the invitation. And uh, yes, so basically what we are, what we call ourselves is a operational venture studio um, and the approach is basically we help companies who are ready to expand and we're going to come later to uh, when that is <laughs> but um, uh, yes to expand into the German or the Japanese market we have a very strong connection with Japan one of my business partners is from Japan and has an agency there so we have very special access to this market that's why Japan and um, yeah special about our approach is we so basically we're not an agency uh, we can you know we can think of us as a country co-founder if a, a company wants to expand we do everything from strategy to um, localization of the product to marketing and operations on the ground uh, within our team and yeah that we do for you know a small budget a revenue share and an equity position so in order to be really completely aligned with the founders um, on that level, right? So, yeah, that is kind of the model. And that also means that we um, we, we very carefully select um, who we work with um, because, yeah, we have two slots basically per year to Germany and to Japan. And it must be like a really good personal fit and also from product and, and mindset fit in order for this to work out. So... Yes, we feel, uh, yeah, with our portfolios like a little family. Yeah, I think that's exactly the the game changer that you want to be a like a really important part of the company, not only as someone who's supporting as a consultant, but really be deeply as deep as possible, so to say. So that that's exactly the game changer. And from the perspective of a founder. Um, how they prefer to work with you is it hard for them to like you know they build something you're coming on board uh, from like you know as an external person how easy is for them to to treat you equally and how do you make sure that actually this this, um, relation works Mm -hmm. that's a very good question and i wouldn't say we're we're equal right because they have been building before in their local market and everything so we're not uh, not equal, mm-hmm. but uh, I think for us the most important is the relationship building, right? We spend a lot of time with the founders before in many different situations to gauge, you know, is this a, a fit for both sides? How do we, you know, vibe in the end, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot about the personal uh, relationship. So on that level, we we start out, and when that kind of fits, mm-hmm. then we move on into more and more details and numbers and and all of that but yeah it's uh, much about the the 
approach and uh, philosophy also of the founders. I'm, I'm really curious, how does it work from the perspective of due, dil due diligence or just spending time together to, to learn if this, if this collaboration makes sense? Like, do you really need to spend a lot of time on it? Like, would you be, would you be able to say like roughly how much it takes? Uh, well, I think here's a, we will still find out, right? We're um, around for around uh, two years. And for now, since we're, you know, we've been in the startup world for a while, we still draw from our long built relationships that we have okay. and that we built already. So for us also one step in the evolution will be, you know, then once we exhausted kind of our personal relations, um, then to figure out, you know, how does it work with completely fresh uh, uh, startups that don't come also with a rep recommendation or have this kind of structured uh, process. But in the end, for us, numbers are also not so important since we, you know, we only have these two slots per year and we want the quality. And for now, you know, for now it works. But yes, <laughs> this is something that's down the line. Maybe we have to figure out. Congrats. Got it. Got it. Cool. <laughs> now, going a bit more to deciding when when such a collaboration makes sense so i'm a startup founder i'm let's say i'm on on one market or and I, i'm just about to to expand to to other markets how do i know if this is the right time how do i decide mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting question that we also have to you know always uh yeah find out and it depends on from which market are you looking at it right and which one are you addressing right because we do it germany and japan and this is uh yeah quite quite different in many ways sometimes also similar but um yeah basically it's you know do you have a are you coming from a country like spain right with a great you know a local market where you can have you know test everything and you can have a sustainable business within your local market mm -hmm. um your domestic market Uh, or are you coming from somewhere like, for example, my co-founder is from uh, Macedonia. And it's very interesting. We had a program there for founders from Macedonia um, entering who want to enter the German or Japanese market, right? And they think from the very beginning when they start the idea in expansion, you know, because there is no real domestic market that mm -hmm. is uh, big enough to sustain. So they try to make a proof of concept there somehow or maybe even reach out before, but they're set on expansion from the start. So, yeah, but usually I would say product market fit, you know, once you have that, and obviously you need some funds to sustain this market expansion, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, some first customers, clients, investment, something. Um, and then about to Germany or to Japan, depends on the mindset, right? Uh, how ready our founders and that belongs to our due diligence to do things differently if maybe a local market domestic market worked out already mm -hmm. i think you know this is how it works um to get an understanding that the german market or especially japanese market works very differently and are they ready to do that and we had experiences where they very much are and this is more let's say in the earlier stages mm. but if companies are too far developed and they had some expansion success already then it becomes more um yeah more boxed like this is how we do it this is how it works mm -hmm. and we don't want to deviate too much from that mm -hmm. but this is exactly what's needed maybe many many times i heard this hypothesis uh that 
companies, uh, companies, countries like Sweden uh, have a lot of relatively a lot of unicorns if you compare it with with Germany, let's say. And the hypothesis is that their market is very small, so they already need to think very international and how to go big. And Germany is relatively big, so there is no need for that. And like in general, it's 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 I don't know more difficult or it, it harms basically the, the the development of unicorns. Do you do you have any opinion about it? Mm, that's an interesting uh, statement, uh, and I can see how that could be uh, how that could be a factor. Uh, if I see also, yeah, the let's say the Balkan environment and and this a drive for you know conquering other markets, um, I could imagine that there is something to it. But you know, it's just solely based on you know my feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I can I can see that. Okay. Okay, so to, to sum it up, what you need, a good starting point is product market fit, is funds, and it's a good mindset of the founders. Yes. Correct. So And, yeah. and probably, you know, if you, um, if you have like um, a local trusted party um, or person that can introduce you to the ecosystem, right, where you want to go to find out before, okay, what is, what is this ecosystem actually like? Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, to better gauge because how to how to judge if a market you know uh, yeah. is the right one for you to go or not you have to experience it to yeah. some extent yeah we can probably talk about uh, for hours about like the value good value of a good uh, network here and there uh, but what interesting me uh, the most is the mindset that you mentioned and i can imagine that there are plenty of things that um, founders are surprised about when they go into a completely new market they are from macedonia let's say and they want to enter germany and I know from our own experience that when you start leaving this different market, like we're not Germans, but we live in Germany and we had our own surprises um, of how things are happening here and how to deal with German uh, type of business uh, doing. So what would you say, giving uh, Germany as an example, what surprised the founders the most uh, in the process of uh, going international here? Mm. So I think there's a couple of, uh, of things. Um, First to probably, I mean the the classic ones, right? The bureaucracy is always like a thing that uh, that people know about and stuff, but it is uh, it is real, and they get to know uh, pretty fast. Definitely real in Germany. <laughs> 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 Confirm so that's real. <laughs> I'm not sure if that is uh, too surprising, but uh, it's still there. Um, then the level of of German that is needed, depending on on what type of business you're in, B two C. Is one thing, um, but as soon as you, you know, go into, you know, if you're entering B2B territory or even in a B2C company, like uh, you need key personnel that, uh, key team members that, that speak German, if you want to build partnerships and the stuff that this yeah. is like, a, is like a thing. Um, etiquette, right? The business etiquette, uh, what is, um, you know, how do people behave and and talk, communication, very direct, right? Depending on from which, all everything depending, obviously, from which culture you're coming from, um, that may be a little off-putting um, and seem rude, but they appreciate, you know, oftentimes uh, direct communication. So that is kind of a, yeah, a, a thing. Um <laughs> Yes, and there's many. I think there's a there's a whole a whole lot like not, for example, um, also not talking about money. The money taboo thing in Germany is uh, is is present, and it's not 
being talked about, uh, also salaries and, and all these things. Um, yes, in the general approach. I, uh, one thing that I think is worth pointing out is that Germany is a very heterogeneous country, right? From also coming from the history of small, you know, small patches uh, of of land, it's very different local cultures. So the culture in Bavaria and the culture in Dortmund uh, is very different, right? So this is something to be aware of. So Germany is not Germany per se, but okay, which industry are you targeting? Where in Germany is it mostly located? Where is this cluster? And what is the local culture there exactly that you want to, you know, engage with? Mm-hmm. I think this, uh, yeah, major things. Yeah, I, I agree with all of the uh, things you've said, but Germans are really nice people, so don't be afraid um, in general. So uh, any good advice on how to prepare yourself uh, for all the things you mentioned and all others? I mean, yes, um, there's, a, there's a lot, right, that you can also read. There's online material you can read, you can listen to podcasts. Um, <laughs> and just getting in touch with ecosystem players that know, right, and there's, um, there's a bunch out there. Um, for example, what is uh, a partner of ours is Bitterhouse uh, X. They are very active in, in giving kind of soft landings for uh, entrepreneurs, founders, uh, companies to the German ecosystem. And that is very valuable to have to have one of these excursions, be there in person, get to know, f- talk with some potential um, partners, companies, clients uh, already, and see how it how it feels. Right, mm-hmm. just jump jump in. <laughs> you, you mentioned a few different challenges um, with the example of, of Germany here, and um, how does it how does it look like from the from the business perspective? So my company uh, needs to do certain things A, B, and C to enter successfully the German market. Could you give us like, like a few things that are really needed to successfully enter uh, a country like like Germany? Like let's say I have this product market fit, and then I need to do A, B, and C to establish myself there. Um. Also highly dependent, obviously, on the on the product itself. Yep. Is it B two B, B two C? But if you have the product market fit in your in your market, still you need to figure out how do I have to you know is this needed and to what extent is it needed in the German market in this case, and which of my features or parts of the product um, are needed and maybe which ones are missing. So you still want to find out how do I have to localize mm-hmm. uh, the product after, you know, we set the strategy and this is, you know, we think based on the information that we that we got, but then how do I adapt and localize the product and start testing it, right? The different uh, types of features. Um, yes, and then not, and this is what I mean also with, with the open mind, being willing to adapt accordingly, right? With, you know, because you have just so much, so many resources and uh, development power if it's a software company and uh, putting these into into the focus of the new market also, mm-hmm. right? So as a founder, um, being committed also to this new market, not, okay, oh yeah, also in our case, yeah, somebody, you know, else is maybe uh, opening it uh, for us and that is no... Um, and we don't really have to go into the mm-hmm. nitty-gritty. Even that's it's not like that, right? We do need your attention, and uh, yes, I think that's the most important part in being attentive and looking, even especially for the founders, since so many things are happening, and you're always uh, in some way overwhelmed with uh, too much. So yeah, not not losing the eye on on that new. 
So to some extent, I need to find my product market fit on on the uh, on this on this new market. Yes, adapting the the product and. How does it look from the business development perspective? Do I need like a special partner that is going to open doors for me or can I do it alone or? I mean, it really depends if uh, what's your style, how you want to, how you want to do it. Mm. Business development wise, if you have a, I mean, you can hire a person that is, you know, your country manager or anything that would be the classic, classic way. Mm -hmm. um, that works, right? Um, Other option would be to go with uh, companies like ours or, or others right, that have a presence already in the market and have maybe more than w one person. They have the network and connections, which make it maybe more um, uh, a bit faster mm -hmm. right, to find out if there is something there or not. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, right, it's a personal taste uh, because... Obviously, you have more control, right? If it's just if it's your employee and your country manager, and that's why you know for us this level of trust is the most important that we established before with the personal relationship because important for the founders also to trust us, us to trust them, and uh, it's kind of the the other way. Um, but yeah, it's uh, up to the founders, and for us it's after. So I didn't mention this before, after two years, so the first kind of set of market entry mm, is. Uh, set to two years so after two years we sit together and we evaluate like okay do we want to continue like this uh, do you want to take over uh, and have control uh, do you, you do we want to keep on doing this uh, yeah so this is kind of a first two-year kind of thing i understand okay i think what's really interesting in in your story is that uh there is german market but there is also japanese market a, a pretty unusual uh combination i i assume uh would you be able to give us a few examples how a country like japan differs from what we can expect in in europe and entering european mm. markets yeah it's um absolutely it's, it's super fascinating i've always been uh, fascinated by japan and have been uh, visiting so uh when my co-founder yane uh, came and, and uh, yeah, introduced this idea To me that you know we can uh, because he brought a company from macedonia to uh, japan successfully um, with our now partner takashi and his company basic math um, so there the idea was kind of born maybe you know this is such a special access that we have because everything there is about reputation um, and you have to build this over years and decades um, and sometimes even you know generations this is uh, is being built up And we have this very particular access because, um, yeah, our partner speaks English very well, which is not very common, as uh, many know, and uh, has seen the Western world and has uh, traveled everywhere and understands the West, as my partner Janne has lived two and a half years in Kobe and uh, bringing the company there um, and understands the Japanese way of working. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, it's very special. Uh, and the differences are, as mentioned, like this reputation. Like it's about not, let's say, a company with more money uh, will make the deal necessarily. But uh, you know, what is your? They will ask, what is the background? Who who has been working with this company before or this person? Mm -hmm. um, how are they perceived? Like what is their style of uh, of working? This is very important. Um, so reputation in a sense of establishing trust. Uh, yes, and reliability and responsibility, um, a 
accountability, all, all of these uh, things. It's also very hierarchical. You know, usually it's a very corporate uh, country, right? We think in Germany also we have, you know, we like hierarchies in the stuff, let's say in the more corporate world. But uh, Japan is is uh, a level up uh, on that one. <laughs> it's not a particular. Don't believe that. <laughs> uh, I would say traditionally it's not a very startupy culture, mm-hmm. uh, but this has been changing in the past, let's say three four years, uh, very much. And Japan has been opening uh, a lot for companies from other countries, but also bringing their um, their new innovations and they. they uh, they're fostering this startup culture since then uh, to the outside. Yeah, that has uh, has opened a lot. One other interesting point I find um, here, for example, an agency gets a contract and is a you know is supposed to deliver KPIs X Y uh, Z right uh, deliverables, and if it's if it works, great. You know, basically almost no questions asked. Uh, how you do it is your thing. Um, but if you don't meet it, we have a problem, right? In Japan, we have experienced um, also the process is as important as the result, right? So if you uh, if you show you have done everything that you can to reach the result, but the result is not there, that's fine. Um, if the result is there, but you cannot, you know, show also the process, that is not fine, you know. Uh, so there's uh, a lot of, uh, yeah. But this is about understanding what it took to, to reach the, the, the specific outcome or more about making sure that there wasn't something happening that, that they wouldn't value, like something unethic or mm, yeah, unethical. This is, or this is another thing, right? Because if you represent another company, you basically, uh, since everything is about reputation, you basically take over the responsibility mm-hmm. for the reputation of that company, and this is um, is a big thing. So yes, this is uh, also about okay, is this in line, especially when different cultures, you know, work together, and uh, everyone knows that it's not completely the same. Then it's about okay, um, about transparency. Yeah, just uh, how how are things done? Yeah. I see. So in a startup world, where the speed of scaling and developing the company really matters the way you described a market like japan is it, it sounds to me like it's it's a must to have someone otherwise it's just going to take maybe a generation to build relevant relationships and really uh take it off absolutely i mean this is where also germany and japan are different i think in germany it's easier you know to go by yourself mm-hmm. um it always helps to have someone but yep. it's easier in Japan, it may just be impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's about finding this right connection. Who Who is that that, uh, that you can work with, that matches the style, that understands you, understands the Western that you can communicate with. Um, that is not easy. Yeah. So for Japan, uh, I would, you know, there, has, there are many examples, uh, I think, of companies online that tried to enter japan more bigger companies not startup startup and have uh, failed for various reasons yeah i can also imagine that looking at the other way around uh, we said what surprises founders in germany but if we'll think about japanese founders trying to enter germany this completely different approach on how you look at the process how you look at the effects 
uh, if you need to be there present or you need someone who represents you, that's also something that they need to, let's say, work around. And probably that's not easy. That's right. Uh, have you experienced something like that? Yes. I mean, it goes both ways, obviously, right? If somebody... Um if somebody enters the Japanese market, yes, of course you have to adapt. But if Japanese founders come come to Europe, uh, that is obviously goes goes the same way. And then it's about finding this balance of okay, uh, this is what's needed and what you know I have to take care of um, the the needs and the way of working of the Japanese company, but also look the realities of the local market. Right, this is just how it works here. To get them uh, in an uh, in a working overlap and to find out, yeah, that is uh, that is the one of the challenges. Would Would you say it, it's a bit easier for a Japanese founder to uh, to to reach European markets than the other way around, or is just like equally tough? Dif- difficult to say. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, difficult to say, but maybe easier because um, because here so. Let's say, assuming there's a, a an, an helping kind of entity in between in both uh, in both cases, I think maybe coming to uh, Europe is a bit easier because companies are also more used to working with you know companies from from other countries, uh, and you have an easier access, mm-hmm. I think, to let's say bigger players if you want to work with corporates, for example, or some companies like Dentsu. Or something like this in Japan. Um, yeah, you have to have, you know, you don't have an access if you don't have the necessary weight uh, behind it. I see. Um, I'm also very interested in another aspect of uh, your strategic approach uh, to the business. Um, a part of international expansion, what you focus on is impact. Uh, is saying in general, could you shine some more lights also on this mm-hmm. aspect, like? How do you define impact? How you make sure that it's uh, actually equally part, uh, equally important uh, in the business that you're doing, uh, that you don't forget about it in the line, in the mm. growth of the company? What do you understand by impact and how we work around that? Yes, um, impact is one of our, let's say, three pillars mm-hmm. uh, that we that we focus on. Uh, impact sustainability as the main one. Then um, we have the future of work, meaning everything that contributes uh, to the new way of working. And uh, the third one is basically out of the box, which is uh, anything else that we like that we connect with, uh, <laughs> personally may be, uh, uh, connected to art, for example, or something. This is kind of the out of the box, but impact sustainability is the main one. And how we understand it is, um, is contributing either on an, uh, on an environmental or social level into, you know, into a better direction. You know, example um, examples would be two of our uh, of our current portfolios. One is uh, Mono Zero, which is a Macedonian brand of handcrafted uh, walnut tables. Um, and basically, this is responsible production, responsible how. So they only it's not a mass production. They only use um, trees that um, that are either sick. Uh, have been struck by lightning, they would be uh, cut anyway in order to build. Um, and basically the founder establishes uh, and builds a relationship with the, let's say, with the people living around in the villages uh, where they grow in Macedonia and Serbia. And 
then says, hey, if uh, if a tree is about to you know get cut, call me. And then you know he buys them off of there. And only then tables get produced. So it's not like, oh, we find all the walnut trees that are at least 100 years old because that's what you need and they're rare. Uh, no, um, it's a responsible production approach. And mm, also very much with an emphasis on this table should last for, you know, in ideally generations, right? So yeah, uh, the the product can be, you know, any sustainable material. If it's thrown away after three years, then you know that's not sustainable. Yeah. And this is uh, one part, and and the other one, other product uh, company of ours is Roots Radicals, which is a sustainable food brand, like handcrafted products made out of food waste um, and other byproducts of the you know usually food production process wonderful uh, tasty products my favorite cauliflower leaf kimchi <laughs> uh, so just taking the the leaves of the cauliflower that would be thrown away and making something fantastic out of that so these are the kind of examples that we uh, that we're so the sustainability is ingrained both in the business model mm-hmm. but also in the product itself in the product and how to and i love this question uh, how to ensure that in a scaling process, this would still be, yeah. you know, maintained. And there we come back to the mindset, right? Is the founder, like truly is this at the core of their thinking, of their being, then yes, if we, you know, believe that. Uh, if it's not, if it's like an extra, and oh yeah, we also have to do a kind of sustainability, then this will be lost, right? And um, I think here's, that's our, our most important job is at the very beginning to, yeah, find the right people that connect with uh, the missions. Yeah, I agree with the approach because it's also part of our own uh, investment strategy that we want to work only with founders that have this uh, impact mentality deeply at the roots of the business mm-hmm. that they are doing. And uh, without that, the, the business might be still good, but if the impact might be lost somewhere on the way, we're not going to go for it as well. From my perspective, I'm very curious about those tables. I just need to check them out <laughs> after the recording. <laughs> yeah, please come by. We have a showroom at Impact Hub. You even so have a showroom? Yes, we're sitting okay. basically Sold. at Impact Hub. Sold. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm actually more interested in the in the food, so I, I'm going to try the cauliflower leaves. We have, uh, kimchi. We have both there. So. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Okay. Mario, we spoke about um, international expansion with the examples of Germany and very interesting one from, from Japan how to prepare yourself as a startup founder to, to join other markets, to expand what's needed in place, what you should expect that might be happening. Uh, we also spoke about your approach to, to impact and selection process and how you basically help those kind of companies to enter Germany and, and Japan. Many thanks for the conversation. Super, super uh, happy. I'm super happy that you shared uh, your expertise with us and uh, yeah, I hope it's helpful to, to our audience. Thank, thank you so you much for, much. Thank you so much for being thank with you. us today. Uh, it was a pleasure and uh, yeah, happy to do this uh, again in uh, two, three years and then we see, you know, where this went. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mario. All right. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Thanks.